Yes. All right, guys. Gonna call us together. Um, I've got 6:32, so we got to make two minutes up in the air tonight. Okay. Um, great to see all of you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Ash Wednesday. Um, I didn't forget to wash my face today. We, we had Ash Wednesday today, and um, if you're not familiar with Ash Wednesday, just a quick teaching. Hey guys, come on in. Um, if you didn't grow up in a liturgical church, and I, I didn't, um, I'll share my story. We didn't really engage in church until I was in middle school, and, and it wasn't in a liturgical setting. So um, Ash Wednesday and things like that were new to me. Um, but it's been a beautiful thing to learn some of those rituals in the church. And um, So Ash Wednesday begins uh, the Lent season. And so Lent is a, uh, comes from an old English word that means to lengthen. And it actually um, is, you know, derived from the season lengthening, you know, in the, in, in the, the time of day. So as, the, as we get closer to Easter, the days get longer and the light gets brighter. And the idea is it's a reminder to us as we celebrate the Lenten season um, of beginning in darkness and anticipation of Christ and then ending at Easter with, with full light. So every day gets a little bit brighter. Uh, but we begin, you know, today in, in the dead of winter and darkness and acknowledging brokenness and, and grief and sin. And ashes in the Old Testament were a way of describing um, death and sin and brokenness. And so people would sit in ashes as a way of showing repentance. And, um, and so the idea is that you're wearing the mark of death um, because without the resurrection of Christ, all hope is lost. Um, but it's in the shape and the form of the cross, which points us to resurrection life, that the cross defeated death. Um, so we put, we put ashes in the sign of the cross on people's forehead as a mark, literally, of what Christ has done. So today marks a journey. Again, if you've never journeyed in this way, um, Lent is, again, a lengthening season. It's 40 days, just like Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, um, minus Sundays. So if you count on the calendar from today until Easter, it's 46 days, Easter being the 47th day as the seventh Sunday, but we don't count Sundays. Um, we only count 40 days sans uh, Sundays to, to Lent. So just a time, I know some people, um, depending on the tradition you grew up in, or some of you didn't grow up in the church like me, and that's new, but I think when you put the gospel in the middle of ancient traditions and rituals, they can become really beautiful and access points um, to understanding the beauty of the cross and the resurrection, just like Advent. You know, Advent means coming, so we celebrate Advent at Christmas in anticipation of the coming Christ, and Lent is the anticipation of the coming resurrection of Christ and his second coming um, when he'll defeat death. So anyway, bonus section tonight on, on Ash Wednesday, and um, it's one of the rare times that it falls on Valentine's Day as well, which is interesting just culturally because we live in a moment and a day where the culture is celebrating romantic love, um, which nothing, you know, it's great. Um, but for us as Christians, um, recognizing that, you know, we love because Christ loved us. And, you know, we're part of the greatest love story of Christ coming to rescue us. So um, some people give things up for Lent, you know, as a way of remembering that. I don't think that's necessarily something you have to do, but sometimes that's helpful to people to fast and to give up something. Or some people add something, you know, they begin to serve, you know, once a week, or they do something to remind themselves of the acts of Christ. But anyway, if you want to talk more about that afterwards, I'd be glad to. But uh, if you're wondering why 
few of us have ashes on our heads. That's that's why. Okay. Um, I'm going to remind us of our of our kind of our guidelines for class just as we begin. Um, you know, we've coveted together to uh, be curious and open and interested. And man, you guys have been. It's been incredible to respect each other and just where we're coming from in our faith and our journey with Jesus, which has been great to see. Um, you know, we want to be willing to be transformed from the inside out, not just informed. Hopefully, we are being informed and learning a lot about Jesus and the scriptures, but knowledge is not the end goal. Um, the end goal is heart transformation and change. And you know, I love um, if you're looking to pick up something this year to think about discipleship, the journey with Jesus. Um, John Mark Comer just wrote a book called Practicing the Way, um, where he sort of codified um, discipleship practices and um, I love how he defines discipleship as um, the act of loving more. And so he unpacks that of loving God more, loving people more, loving yourself more, which is the great commandment, of course. Um, but he simplifies, you know, the growth of your journey with Jesus really in the act of love. Um, so knowledge is a part of that, but it's not the end state. Uh, there's a lot of people that know a lot about God that don't love God and don't love other people. And so Jesus said the end state is that you love God. You love yourself, you love your neighbor with your whole heart, mind, and, and, and body. Um, okay, so we're going to be transformed, not just informed. Engagement, again, this has been so wonderful in a class this size to engage in such a great way. Um, we're going to try to resist our cell phones tonight unless you're using it for the class. And we're going to assume positive intent and, and be as non-defensive as, as possible. All right. Um, I want to start with just a kind of an icebreaker. Um, we've been we've been using um, he gets us um, just just as a, a way to start conversation. I just want to say on this one, and I know just you know if, if you've researched a little bit of the organization, you know it's an apolitical organization, but there there is no such thing as an apolitical person. You know everybody has views and opinions, and you know everybody brings that into it. So I I, I just want to say when we watch this one, this one ran during the Super Bowl. If you saw it in the first half, and you know the whole premise behind it was to have a conversation about actually pride and how pride is what destroys people and destroys relationships when you get so entrenched in a position. Um, so it was, it's a little jarring. I mean, the images are meant to be provocative, um, but each of the images are meant to be situations where maybe pride could arise. And you might have differences of opinion about different political issues or socioeconomic issues or what have you. But it brings us back to the principle of how do we engage people in our differences. Um, so it's showing stark, you know, populations and groups of people and kind of how Jesus chose to engage people. It's not the end of the story, but it's a part of the story and, and our posture and showing up with people. So, um, okay, did anyone see this? Yeah. Pretty jarring, like, in the middle of the first half of the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I read just for, for fun for like five minutes some reviews of how people were receiving that and, is really interesting um, for people who don't have any orientation to uh, foot washing because it's about washing feet mm -hmm. and how Jesus showed up. Yeah. Um, I read one review of why are Christians so obsessed with feet. Um, so <laughs> interesting, but we'll watch it. We'll watch it. And um, I would just say, let, let's just use it as a conversation starter of, you know, what did you see? And what I like to think about when I watch, like, this is really art, you know, and art um, whether it's in whatever medium it is, is truth with a slant. That's what art is. So, you know, to looking for the truth in it, um, 
noticing how you felt in it, you know, even if they're, it's negative, you know, what you felt, um, and then having a conversation about, you know, what did you learn or what were your thoughts about Jesus as you, as you watch this? Because again, agree with it, disagree with it, like some of the images, don't like some of the images. The idea is to be provocative and have a conversation about Jesus um, and how he showed up with people. Okay, this is a minute. So, um, Dan, would you mind dimming the lights just so you can, can everyone see, does that help? Yes. Okay. Are we good? Am I good? Maybe. I don't know. As Jackson said, you got to hit play, Dad. Okay. Let's have a conversation about it and we'll gather back. Okay, guys. I'll pull us back together. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And and, um, if you forgot, Make sure you introduce yourself on the next go around. Um, if you haven't ever haven't introduced yourselves yet, let's do a quick um, reflection review of where we've been. Believe it or not, this is our fifth session, and so next week is our is our finish line together. So let's uh, let's finish strong. Let's break the break the tape together. Um, so when we started, we we looked at one verse when we started Mark chapter one verse one. Uh, that this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. So week one, we, we just spent on the first verse of Mark, that he's the Son of God, he's the Messiah, and we unpacked what that means for him to be fully God and fully man. Uh, week two, we looked at Jesus as the prayer and the forgiver. Um, we looked at the parable of the, the sower, remember, and we talked about Jesus the preacher and the, the power of his messages and how he chose to preach. And then last week we talked about uh, Jesus, the miracle worker, um, and the lover, uh, as compassion. And tonight we're going to talk about Jesus, the suffering servant, and the rejected Messiah. And just to remember, the, the scope of where we're at in Mark is Mark chapters 10 through 12 tonight. So um, we'll finish, yeah, Just I'll mention this at the end for your homework, but we'll finish uh, in chapters uh, 13 through 15. We'll get into a little bit of 16, and we'll talk about 16, I promise. Chapter 16 of Mark is a little interesting, Um, but we'll finish with those final four chapters uh, for next next Wednesday night. Okay, so suffering servant and rejected Messiah tonight. Um, So, yeah, we're going to talk about um, the conversation. well, this was last week, just by way of review. Last week we talked about Jesus as a lover, remember, conversation between Jesus and uh, the boy's father. And remember, he says famously, you know, I believe, but help my unbelief. And then we talked about the miracle worker um, that Jesus was and that all the miracles all the miracles were a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality and the ultimate restoration of what's to come in the kingdom. Okay. So let's get into Suffering Servant. Let's start there. And we're going to be in chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. What does it mean for Jesus to be the servant that, that suffered, to be the suffering servant? Um, and, and the ethic that he teaches that is very different than the ethic of the world, um, which is a little bit of what we just talked about around our tables of washing feet in the midst of a lot of different dynamics that are happening in the world. Okay, so... How about we have two readers? Um, someone read verses 35 through 39 and then 40 through 45, Mark chapter 10. Alex, we'll start us. Jesus teaches about serving others. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, 
we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Awesome. Okay. Um, and someone pick us up in... Oh, sorry. Yeah, you get, I think, another sentence there. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, then Jesus told them, you will, indeed, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. Great. Thank you, Alex. Okay, and then 40 through 45 finishes off. But to sit on my right hand... Verse 40, chapter 10. Bill, you got it? But to sit on, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But show, so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Awesome. Bill, you had a KJV? Well, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's not NIV because I have NIV. <laughs> you, what gave it away? You read last week. I was like, okay, that's what I thought. I was like, that. I, I mean, and I grew up learning the KJV. We could talk about translation sometime, but um, we won't tonight. Um, but I love some of those old readings. But last week when you were reading, I was like, Bill's got an old KJV. A lot, a, a lot of saith and. Doeth and okay, all right. Let's let's remind ourselves as we come to our scriptures. We're looking, you know, we're kind of putting on three different pairs of glasses um, together when we read the the scriptures. And so part of our time together these last you know five weeks has been helping us to know when we get on our own after next week. You know, how do we read the scriptures? How do we engage in the scriptures? Um, and we've talked about three things. You know, observation, interpretation, application. Um, you know, another way to say it would be, what do I notice? Um, what do I think it means? What am I supposed to do with us? Um, so I have loved our times together in breaking down passages because I think there's such a richness when you have a diversity of perspective um, to go through all three of these lenses with, a, with a, a copy of the scripture. So it's wonderful to do it individually, but in your family or in your community group or circle of people to be able to read the scriptures and engage together is really rich as well. So I've personally loved this with you guys. Um, so let's spend a, a few minutes on each of these. What did, you, what did you notice? What did you observe in this passage as Jesus teaches about what it means um, really to be a servant? And what does it teach us about Jesus and his ethic? Well, only two spoke up. James and John. Yeah. And I don't know if they were the ringleaders, but they put themselves out there. 
uh-huh. ask the question. Yeah, and they're brothers, um, <laughs> so they're 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 helping each other there. And they got a mama that wants them to be in a seat of at a seat of of, of yeah. glory, right? Okay, what else? Well, this was featured in the first. I, we saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the theaters right now. It's great. Mom, mom's at the dinner table saying, I'll take care of this. Exactly. I'll go talk to Jesus. But, a, but they're jockeying for some position and status. Yes. Right? And uh, what's interesting is Jesus says, you're going to have to drink from the bitter cup of suffering. Right. They don't know that the uh, crucifixion is coming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's the reference he's making. Because I think in the Garden of Gethsemane or later on, Jesus says, uh, God, uh, God, Father, take this cup from me, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's a reference to uh, the suffering that's coming. Yeah, great insight. Okay. Who else? Back table. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's fascinating. I mean, we've seen just in the last few passages where Jesus has more harshly rebuked people. Mm. Not that harsh this time. Yeah. And it's just interesting. Yeah. That their request isn't as offensive as some of the other stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great observation. Okay, what else? <clears throat> well, they, they also asked, what can we do for you? And he turned it around. What can I do, what can I do for you? Hmm. Uh, so it's interesting. It's almost like they were learning, or he wanted to teach them how to be a servant. Like he was, yeah. I mean, I can see that's where he's headed. Yeah. Thank you, Bo. What else, guys? What's happening here? He's telling them he's going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what do they think? Well, they were going to get power. Okay. You want to say more about that? They think he's going to get rid of Rome and, there you and go. their rule and. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Yeah. <laughs> but they seem to think they can just ask for it, not earn it. Like, I just want to sit by you today. Save me a seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in our book here, they have, this is NLT, yeah, it says, um, in verse 35, it says, Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. And I have NIV, and it says, we want you to do us, do for us whatever we ask. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a little different. And that's yeah. more like what we usually do, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's do typically it how we pray, ask. right? We're like, I yeah. want this. or mm. That's an interesting take about if this were a prayer mm-hmm. and what their prayer, you know, what, sometimes what we pray, we think we uh-huh. want, and Jesus, I'm uh-huh. sure, sometimes goes, you don't know what you're asking yeah, for exactly. in prayer exactly. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, what else? Just another minute on observation. He said, Jesus said that it was not for him to decide. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the inference there? Who, who's it up to? The Father. Okay, great. And what about the second half of the passage? We've, we've spent a little bit of time noticing the front half, but what about the second half? I think it's going to be like a ruler in, on, in the, on earth. They yeah. Yeah, yeah. The word that I think the NLT uses is indignant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. These guys got to the front of the line. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, Irene.
Yeah. Can you say it one more time? I'm it so sorry. It sparks distrust. Yeah. Yes. And later on, I think it's in John's gospel when they're, you know, they're journeying and they're arguing amongst themselves about who's the greatest. And this is the same in the same genre, you know, of who's going to sit on the left and right of Jesus. Who's the, who's the greatest among us? Um, and Jesus, of course, is speaking to this of the greatest among you is the greatest servant, you know, among you. Any, anything else on, on what you notice? He's also telling them that the rulers of the world currently want their authority and that they will need to be different and be servants. Yeah. Which is what he's been trying to show them the whole time. And now he's actually telling them. Like, but yeah. I think in Luke's gospel, the same story the way it is written is, but not so with you. <clears throat> um, but or like verse 43 here, in your, if you're in the journal, in the NLT, but among you it will be different. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a headline for the passage for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're getting into a little bit of what does it mean. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and go there. Interpretation. What, is, what does this mean? turns the standard upside down. Same thing being first and right next to him is winner. Yeah. And he tells him to be a servant. Yeah. And I think it kind of shows the context of like world leadership versus like biblical leadership. Mm. Like Jesus still is not like using biblical position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. serving those around you mm-hmm. and that's how you become the leader in the room and mm-hmm. just showing that like your actions are going to add up to what mm-hmm. people see and how they follow you yeah great anybody else interpretation i think i'm missing the point again just jumping on the roman leadership here too was I, i'm not here to be a leader for romans but and how earlier he calls them the biggest kind of missing the whole 
Yeah. Yes. We were sharing at our table kind of along those lines and what several of you have said interpretation with the with the he gets us video that we watched washing feet that every one of those scenes you know I use the word provocative are so provoking of thoughts of and they and I think the immediate temptation with all of them is to try to formulate what do I think about this what do I think about this situation what do I think about this issue what do I think about what have you and to miss the people in front of you that these are people and to not see the people first and engage how you posture yourself towards people. I, I, maybe it's just me, but I've watched it like 10 times. And, I, I'm, I'm, and every image that pops up, I'm thinking, oh, I think I have five thoughts about this and questions about it. And, and, and then I can forget, oh, these are people in front of me. And, 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 you know, and how am I posturing myself towards people and showing up with people first? And then we can engage in whatever the issue might be or challenge might be or difference might be. Uh, because there are differences um, and things that have to be discussed. And, and anyway, I, I think that's a, um, you know, this passage is, is such a beautiful way of, of Jesus, as you're saying, how he shows up with people and turns it upside down, um, flips the question. All right, what about application? What do we, what do, we do with this? All, some of you have already gotten into that. Of how do we apply what Jesus is saying here to his disciples, to us as his students? How, how do we apply this? Um, the, the verse where it says, whoever wants to be leader among you must be servant. In a, in a different translation, it said the path to promotion comes by having the heart of a servant. Mm. Can you say that a little bit? And it actually said doulos, which yeah. you talk about yes. being a, 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 a servant. servant. A servant. Um, instead, of, instead of the uh, who wants to be leader must be a servant, the path to pr- promotion comes by having the heart of a servant, mm-hmm. or doulos, which yeah. you taught in, in Romans. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, Rosemary. Anybody else application? What do we do with this? My, my job is not to compare myself to other Christians. It's to try to meet the standard that Christ set. Yeah. So I'm, it's not a race. It's a journey. Yeah, it's good, Bill. earlier said something about um, James and John just being scared, right? Hmm. Like, because, and perhaps they understood what he had come to ultimately be. Um, and subconsciously they're afraid of it, so they're trying to protect themselves and it's just a reminder that that's often what we do when we're afraid. Yeah. Is instead of <coughs> being humble and trusting in Him and His mercy and grace, we think we can fix it on our own, or we think that promotions or yeah. money or whatever will yeah. will help us through it. Yeah, I think that's a great. Thank you, Julie. Um, you know, kind of the question: What's the emotion? What's the story under the story? What's really happening here? I'm going to push you just a little bit, you know, because we're coming near the end of our time together. Um, what do you think is really happening here with James and John? I mean, they're jockeying for position, that's clear. But what do you think is the emotion 
and maybe just to push you a little bit, have any of you ever done this? Can you remember a time where you've tried to take a shortcut, tried to play, a, you know, politics is just, you know, negotiation of power. You've, you've been negotiating power or position with someone. And what were you feeling when you did that? Anybody be willing to share? Thank you, Matt. being an operator in the background, just serving others and doing good and trying to pursue, you know, meritocratic leadership. Thank you, Matt, for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I, so I've heard twice now, I don't want to cut anybody off, but um, the feeling of being overlooked or forgotten, mm -hmm. you know, and think about James and John. They've been there from the beginning and they, I think they do sense that something's changing in the tone of Jesus that we're, he keeps talking about his death and this thing may be coming to a head here and, and fe I think fear and maybe feeling like we're not going to get our spot pops out See, and it I pops out in a good way. Not about trying to get their spot. I'm was wondering if they're sensing that and they're scared, but they're wanting reassurance that it's all going to be okay. Yeah. So like I think about at work when you know a reorg's coming or whatever, and you're, tr you're not necessarily trying to be rec recognized, but you're trying to pump somebody for info and you're sure. trying to get the inside scoop to what's going to happen. And what's underneath that? Um, what's fear and it's want that reassurance that yeah. I'm going to be okay you know or yes. it's going to all work out or yes. like the world's not going to end and I'm going to go to like my burning death or whatever like I feel like maybe it was like <laughs> reassurance right because they can tell it's changing yes and so for me I wasn't thinking about the jockeying for position for the right month I get yeah. that but in the bigger picture I was like they're just wanting some security. reassurance and some security that all they've been working towards isn't just going to like go up in smoke yeah. I mean, it all boils down to self-control, right? It's like control yeah. and wanting to control it. I mean, I lost my mom a year ago, mm. and I remember that same exact feeling. Yeah. Like, when she was in the hospital, like, what's going to happen? Right. God, just tell me it's going to be all be okay. That's yes. Like, you're in that point where you're like, I yeah. just want to know. Yes. So I'm, I'm pushing a little bit for a reason here, um, <clears throat> because I think that a lot of times we read a passage like this, maybe this is just me, and I think um, I just need to not be ambitious. I just need to not, I gotta just, I just gotta pull this stuff down. <clears throat> and I actually think what's really going on here is that two people that actually need to, to, to believe and trust that they're seen and that they're loved and they're gonna be cared for. And it's actually that, you know, instead of pushing from the top, you know, like I gotta push this stuff down when I get ambitious or I wanna jockey or I wanna be political or whatever, of course, self-control is a part of it, but really it's about cultivating I'm seen mm -hmm. and Jesus does care for me and is whatever happens in the reorg, whatever, God's going to, it's going to be okay. He's going to look out for me. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, with myself or with, with folks in my office, I'll say, you know, and if that happened, what, what would happen then? Well, then, the, then they would leave me. And if they left you, what would happen? Well, then I'd be by myself. And if you were by yourself, what would happen? And, and, you, and we just keep going mm -hmm. <clears throat> until it's me and Jesus. And would that be enough? And, and, and if I'm honest, like, that's a terrifying, you know, scary proposition. 
to think about. Um, so I just want to humanize this a little bit. Of There's wonderful, <clears throat> sometimes I've read this and thought, here's six leadership principles from this, and that's great. <laughs> and, and there are great leadership principles here, but really this is two people that I think are very afraid um, and, and haven't yet, just like we on a journey, <clears throat> are still embracing the promises of Jesus along the way. And they pop out in all these weird ways, like going to Jesus and asking, can we sit on your left and right? Um, but underneath that, I think are some, you know, some, some real emotions. Okay. Going back to um, yes. when Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Yeah. Um, and, and what they asked was to sit on the right and left. And yeah. it made me think about the scripture in Matthew where the judgment of the multitudes where he separates the sheep and the goats. Yeah. Did they really understand? They're, they're literally asking, I want one of you to be condemned to hell and the other, and the yeah. other one will sit, will be in glory with me. Yeah. But, you know, because Jesus separates the, yeah. the right from the left. Yes. And, and I think specifically he, <clears throat> you know, as we were reminded, he's thinking about Gethsemane and the, the cup of suffering that's coming. And they don't realize to sit on his left and right will mean to suffer more than anyone. And interestingly, you know, James was martyred. In Acts 12, James is killed. And John is exiled on Patmos and writes Revelation. And so they're separate. I mean, they, they suffer bitterly for Jesus. Um, so anyway. Okay, let's get to our group discussion. And then we'll get to our second teaching tonight. Um, so around your tables, just for a couple minutes, let's just talk about Mark 10:45 specifically the last verse in our passage. And what we learn about Jesus as a suffering servant from, from that, that verse in the context. So a couple minutes on discussion, and then we'll jump into our next teaching. All right, everybody, let's reel it back in. Love the conversations. So good. We're going to go to the next section, um, Mark chapter 12. <laughs> and... Verses 1 through 12, Jesus the Rejected Messiah. Like, that's a title for you, <laughs> Rejected Messiah. Thanks for handing that one to me, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> um, you got it, <laughs> we, We're going to discover this together, right? So let's look at verses 1 through 6. If Jackson, will you read 1 through 6, please? And this is, yeah, I'm glad you're here, buddy. <laughs> And then, Mike, would you, do you mind reading 7 through 12 in Mark chapter 12? Okay, go ahead, Jackson. Jesus began teaching them with stories. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, made a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to the tenant farmers and used it for the country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. So the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back to then sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were either killed, beaten, or killed. Until there was only one left, his son, whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him to drink, surely they will respect my son. Starting with verse 7, please. Thank you, Mike. The tenant farmers said to one another, Here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out in the vineyard. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do, Jesus asked. 
I will tell you, he will come and he will kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Did you not read this in the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And it was wonderful to see. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized that he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. But they were afraid as they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Good. Very good. Thank you, you guys. And I'm gonna advance these slides and then come back to this in just a second. So we'll come back. Okay. So I want to do something a little different with the each of these sections, the observation, interpretation, and application. And I want to stretch you as learners and thinkers. And so first, I want you to individually, I'm going to give you like two minutes, and I'll prompt you to go through each of these sections. So just on your own, I want you to do what we've been doing as a whole group. You can jot in your notes, you know, in your book, or if you have another notebook. So like two minutes on each section, and then we're going to discuss each section within your table group, okay? And then I'll tell you how we're going to end and bring it all together. All right? So, so let's go. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Okay. Everything we just read. So let's look at observation. What do you notice personally? Oh, yep. Yep. We're just going to yep, do that, that part. So go ahead and just jot down anything you notice. Or maybe it's just questions you have. I have a lot of questions. Okay, so I'm going to pause you there. Now, share just your observations, what you noticed so far, okay? Noticing, and maybe some of you got onto the other parts already. That's okay. We'll come back if you haven't. But just share in your groups, just at your tables, what did you notice? What questions do you have? Talk with each other about that. Okay, everybody. Um, let's come back, whole group. So what's something that you heard at your table that someone else noticed that you went, oh, mm. that was good. And would you be willing to share that out to the whole group? <laughs> or you can ask them to share too. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> voluntold. Yeah, you're being voluntold. That's right. Yeah, why just share that? It's a shocking story. Mm -hmm. that people treat somebody that way, 
but it was interesting that the um, the religious leaders they were mindful enough to know he was talking about them. Okay. And I just wonder if I would have been perceptive enough to know that Jesus is talking about me mm. because okay, I'm in that story somewhere, but I don't know that I see it. No, <laughs> that's good. How I may be mistreated and God has given me yeah. the place He's put me. Yeah, that's really really great. Thank you. Anybody else want to share what you heard someone else say and notice that you were like, whoa? Well, I think it's, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say it, but it's the, the owner is God, the, the son of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's going to the vine garden, and the, the vine garden is Israel. <laughs> he's talking about the people of Israel. And he's, and he's saying, and again, it's a whole deep thing, like, I'm going to die. God has sent me here to die for you. When I first read this, I had several questions. Like, what happened right before this conversation? Because this is like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> so, like, to your point, it's very fascinating. Like, and then I wrote down, where is Jesus? Like, just physically, I was just curious. Like, where are they? What? Like on a map, where are they, and what time of day is it, and who's around him? Who, who would have been there listening? Like there's been crowds, and then he's getting away from crowds, and then there's more crowds, and they've been by water, and then they haven't been. So I just have so many questions about, hmm. like, as I try to visualize the scene, like what's happening, and then who is he speaking to? Which that's a great point. Um, so today at my job you know, as an assistant principal. I had several handfuls of situations of opportunities <laughs> of extending, helping children see the truth and grace of Jesus with choices they made. So, and it ranged from, no kidding, a kindergartner to a second grader to another second grader to a fifth grader that will be waiting tomorrow. <laughs> um, and it, like, how you have to, like, sit and engage each of these Mm -hmm. children like there's a very big difference between even a kindergartner and a second grader Mm -hmm. and you know sin is all sin but like how you approach it and how you engage them and that's Mm -hmm. as I read this that's what I thought like Jesus knew who who he was speaking to and he knew their language and he knew he knew them and he is he is speaking to the Pharisees and they Mm -hmm. doggone it they knew it and they picked up on that and I just he's so good like that and then, like, the, the part we just read with, um, that Chris went over, he knew James and John, and he knew how he needed to approach them, and he knew what mm-hmm. questions to ask and what to say. So those were kind of some of my noticings. Um, anybody else want to share for, for someone else that you heard that stuck out? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. I think that they would have, if he had blatantly said, "You Pharisees are this," I don't think they would hear it. Mm-hmm. And and I get that from um, when David sinned with Bathsheba, mm-hmm. and was it Samuel? I can't pronounce him. 
one of the, the, the Nathan. Yeah. Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. Told him a story about there's this rich man right. and he had a whole flock of yeah. lambs, but he took the one and only beloved lamb mm -hmm. of this guy mm -hmm. over here, yeah. and and it wasn't until the end, of, you know, yeah, because he didn't. He's like flogging, killing, blah blah mm -hmm. blah, and yeah. But then it's after the story is told and mm -hmm. and revealed to him that he realizes it's him. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't know if the Pharisees would have got it. Yeah. If he did, if he had not told it in this way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Maybe yeah. two thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were discussing it last night, but uh, one maybe by being enigmatic, he wasn't coming out and criticizing the Pharisees directly, mm. right? Which might have gotten uh, yeah. him in trouble or arrested very fast. The other thought was. The Bible, the first book was written, I think, eight years after his death, mm. right? And uh, between eight and 30 years after his death, they were written. So again, these stories tend to be better for oral tradition, mm -hmm. right? So mm. it's easier to remember a story. No one's writing it down here, right? Mm. It's easier to remember a story so that it can be passed on than uh, a bunch of fables. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And he always said in other places, those who <coughs> hear to hear, uh, you will hear Also wonder if it would have created more tension, like almost like he was blaming, and then created more polarization and more hate. Mm -hmm. if would have came out and been more blatant about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned that our table was, you know, the Bible was basically timeless, mm -hmm. and I've been reading it on and off for sixty-five years. But every time I read it, I read yeah. something different. I know, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I feel the same. Well, I think it also related to, like, that commercial, and those commercials, like, it gets you to ask some questions. Yeah. And parables were all asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. That's yeah. good. That's good. I think it's interesting that at the end, it explains. It's one of the few parables that yeah. gets an explanation from the narrator. Mm -hmm. But, but when I, before I got to that, John, did you want to add something? Sorry. And that's the way I feel Which? every Sunday when I think Chris is talking directly to me. Mm. <laughs> 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 it's a parable. You know, how did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we make it through. You know, it's, it's like you realize something from that. Mm. You know, if, if it is about you, you, you feel it. You mm. understand it. And it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Mm -hmm. It's not a side of Jesus most people see. They don't mm -hmm. see the view of it. 
Mm. Yeah. It's mm. good. So just for, I know we're getting close on time here, but let's just look what happens right before this and at the end of chapter 11. Um, so it's verse 27. The authority of Jesus is challenged. So they're entering Jerusalem. And as they're walking through that, the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. Like, this is a band of brothers, man, like all coming together, these religious leaders and priests. And they demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I mean, they are coming with this posture. Um, and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question. Did John's authority... Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely man? Answer me. So they don't answer him. Instead, they huddle up and talk about it. And they recognize, oh, man, we're going to be in trouble. No matter how we answer this question, we're going to be in trouble. So then you jump to the parable, and this is him essentially trying to tell them, here's who I am. Like, I just find that so fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we've got to wrap up, so I want to jot this down, you guys. Matthew 21, 33 through 45. Matthew records this similar event. So just if you want to go a little deeper this week. Matthew 21, 33 through 45. And then also, this is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> How well Jesus knew his audience. But the beginning of the story, the first part of the story, actually came from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. So these... Religious leaders would have been very familiar with this passage. So if you want to go dig into that, Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. 1 through 7. Yep, Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. All right, thanks, you guys. So good. We're going to have our good friend Stuart come up. Did you want to introduce him? Yeah, Chris? I'd love to. Yeah. Um, so we've been sharing <laughs> stories, and I asked Stuart Fenters if he would come and, and share a little bit of his story tonight. Just how he met Jesus and difference that Jesus has made in his life. And um, I think most of you have seen Stuart, if you're here at our South Park campus, um, as our worship pastor. And um, yeah, a lot of things I could say, but just has been a terrific um, partner to me and become a really dear friend too. And I'm grateful to have you here to share your story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, may, I may sit. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, this was a fun exercise mm -hmm. to try and condense, you know, a story. But um, I was drawn to the fact that I was born and raised in a very, very strong Christian home. Um, my my family is really unique and, and rare. Um, that we have generations of believers in my family. So <clears throat> my uh, both sets of grandparents on my, you know, or on my mo mother and father's side are very committed believers and then great grandparents as well. So there's a, there's a, a big generation um, of, of believers. And actually I wear this cross um, every, every day and the, the cross is from my dad and then my this the chain is from my grandfather, and they wear crosses. And so it's just this. I mean, I have a, a, a deep history um, of, of growing up in the church. And my dad 
was a, a or is a, a retired um, Anglican priest. So I grew up in the church, and um, in my dad's ministry, he 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 served in um, small churches. So we, you know, if the doors were open, I was there. Um, very early, you know, very late. Um, so I just grew up around the church, um, which is a great thing. And I think because of that, I was very um, curious about God. Um, I read a lot, and so I had a lot of questions about spirituality and, and faith. And, and growing up, how I grew up in the, the Anglican church, we had, you know, there was like lots of prayers. And I read, you know, we heard like four or five really, really long readings every Sunday. Um, and if you grew up in a tradition like that, you know what I mean? I, I would actually time the readers. So I knew who the fast readers were. When they got up, you would be like, oh, yeah, we're going to get out early. Um, and I, I liked them a lot better than the, than the slow, pious readers. Um, but because of that, I, I grew up and I, and I memorized a lot of these prayers um, and scriptures. And, and I, had, I felt like I had a, like a, a recitation or I could just spit things out. Um, and the one, I, I was just walking um, our little puppy this morning, and it came to me. And, but this is how I would say it as a, as a child, one of these little prayers. Almighty God, to you our hearts open, all desires known, and from you our secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, and by your worthy magnifying your Holy And just, like, spit these things out, because I just, I knew them. Um, and I grew up memorizing things and, but the, the, the thing about it, as I, as I reflect on my journey, is um, I didn't know that God was someone who cared about me. So I had a lot of things that I felt like I was learning or knew about God. Um, but he was this kind of distant deity in the sky <coughs> that maybe said a few things that I could relate to as a kid, but that all changed when I, um, my sister was a, um, was dating a, a Baptist boy, <laughs> and uh, they ended up getting married, which was great, but she, um, she invited me to their, um, the Baptist youth group, and the guy, the youth pastor there, his name's Eric Wooten, and um, he ended his talk, and I don't remember a thing he said in the whole talk. Sorry. <laughs> um, but he said one question. He said, are you a friend of Jesus? Hmm. And I, I was like floored because I was like, I, I, no. I, I didn't know Jesus could be my friend. Mm -hmm. So here I was, uh, you know, a sophomore in high school. I had spent my entire life in church but no one had ever told me, and I, I love my parents and I love all that, but no one had ever told me Jesus is your friend and he wants to be your friend and he cares about you hmm. and he wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to speak to you. Um, and that one question that Eric Wooten um, asked me changed everything. And I really had to wrestle with that. Like, What does that mean? That Jesus, this, this king, this sovereign power wants to be my friend. And so, you know, as, as, as I 
sort of wrestled with that, it became, you know, a dynamic conversational relationship. Um, and I've come to see that when Jesus says he wants to be my friend and he wants to be with me, that that means that he's with me in the, the deepest, darkest, most challenging, painful places, um, which I know we can all relate to. But also, you know, he's with me with the, the joy and the celebration and, um, and all, all seasons of life. And um, what my life is about is simply meaning, is simply trying to be attuned to him and attuned to that reality that he's with me, um, attuned to the reality that he wants to commune with me. He wants to, he wants to you know, interact with me like a, a real person um, and he wants me to enjoy him and and that that word joy and enjoyment um, has been something that I've really been trying to um, you know kind of live into because um, I'm, I'm a little bit more on the reserved side of things but Jesus wants to be a friend that that laughs and that celebrates and that um, you know he can he can be the same one who's like Man, your life sucks right now, but I'm here with you. But he also can be jumping for joy and lighting the birthday candles um, and celebrating with me. And so one of the things that, that I think has been really neat to see in, in my story is how the way that I was grown, that the way that I was brought up um, is still in there. Um, all the things that the, 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 the prayers and the, the things that I learned um, and experienced as a kid um, really formed me. And so I can be walking our little puppy, trying to you know, get him to go to the bathroom for 20 minutes, and this prayer comes up. And I say it a little bit differently now, because I say, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Beautiful. And so the joy that I have in Jesus was available to, available to me as a kid. Hmm. It just took me a while to see it. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm getting a little glimpse of it today. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Okay, we're going to, um, thank you, Stuart. We're going to finish with um, just a little bit of time at our table individually to, to just journal a takeaway from this week. It might be something from the reading. It might be something that you heard at your table tonight from another learner at the table, um, uh, from the story that you heard tonight. Just a, a takeaway for, for this week in our, uh, in our fifth session. I'll just give you a moment or two, and then we'll finish up together.
few more moments. Okay, everyone, let's finish here tonight. Um, thank you so much for your participation. And um, as always, like just such great engagement and so wonderful to be with you and learn together the scriptures. So next week is our last class for this session, and we'll, we'll put a bow on six weeks together. So we're going to be looking at the final week of Jesus' life, and we'll enter into that through chapters 13 um, through 16. So... If you want to read 13 through 16, it's four chapters. We'll talk a little bit about chapter 16 and the ending of Mark next week, which is unique, but don't get tripped up on that. Um, just read chapters 13 through 16, and we'll, we'll enter into the final week of Jesus' life uh, together and the final week of our, our, our time together as well. Um, let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll go tonight. Lord, thank you for my dear friends. Thank you for this sacred space that we have to tell stories, to listen to stories, to hear your stories, and to be reminded of, of who you are. And I pray tonight as we enter into this season and this journey to the cross um, together, and most importantly to the resurrection, the empty tomb, that you would make yourself known to us. And as Stuart reminded us tonight, that we would move from knowing things about you to knowing you as our friend. And I pray that uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Good night, guys. Good night.